Hi, uh, welcome to Movie Bites. I'm Arnie Joe, and this is Dane. How Yay. you doing, Dane? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing great. Yeah, that's awesome. What's 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 new in your neck of the woods? Um, not much. Um, I'm uh, you know, just scared of everything. COVID. Um, you know, just too much to think. The world is just so overwhelming, and uh, I'm crippled with anxiety and depression. But besides that. Not much. That's, I went and bought some fruit today. That seems like an appropriate mood to be in for the one of the movies we watched this week. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we're movie butts. We do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of a certain topic. Those topics include actors, directors, studios, franchises. I don't know. What's a fifth one? Anything. Anything really. movie related. Yeah. You know, it has to be movie related. It would be a bit weird if we just started doing the best and worst of soil foods or something, you know, like that would just be a bit out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, we pick a topic. Then um, I basically pick the films in the category, uh, put them in a spreadsheet um, and then use IMDb scores, Rotten Tomatoes scores, Metacritic, the box office, the budget, um, average it all out and do a little bit of a weird mathy shit and um there's a best and the worst what did uh what did we watch this week what was our topic and what movies did we watch uh we watched um kurosawa wait is that his name dude i I just love how you just don't know what we've watched (laughs) like every week you're like uh 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 what's What's the name of the movie what's the what's the category so we watched the 50s output of akira kurosawa Kurosawa, yeah, Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the movies we watched, the best being Seven Samurai and the worst being uh, a little movie called I Live in Fear, which I think came out the year after Seven Samurai. I'm pretty sure it was right? a year or two after. I'm, I actually, you know what? I think this was the film directly after Seven Samurai. Yeah, because I saw the date on it and I have some... Yeah, I think maybe that has something to do with uh, less positive reception. Yeah. Because it's it's the follow-up to Seven Samurai. And it's very different. So Seven Samurai is one of those rare movies that has, I think, fucking... It, it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has, I think, 98% on Metacritic. 98 on Metacritic, which is insane. Yeah. Like, that's, that's fucking... The closest we've come is 96 with Nashville. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I didn't even know things could get 98% on, on fucking Metacritic. Um, yeah, so across the board, commercially and critically, and audience scores, this film was like the fucking front runner. Like that, none of them even fucking touched it. When yeah. it comes to the worst... Um, it was actually quite close between a movie called Scandal from 1950 and I Live in Fear. And what ended up putting I Live in Fear uh, in the worst position was uh, it's his first movie to never make money. It was his first film to, um, to, to yeah, to not break even. So... Oh, so it lost money? It lost money. It was his first film to lose money. So that, uh, in terms of the box office and the budget, that's what ended up causing this one to, you know, lose, essentially. It, it, it does also have, like, God forbid a movie gets 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. You know what I mean? Like, mm. God forbid it gets something that nice. But 
in terms of his uh, 50s output, that was actually considered low. Um, yeah, so uh, do, do you want to give us a plot description for these two films? We, we were also going to... I watched Hidden Fortress, but Dane didn't get around to watching it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to, so therefore I didn't. Also, you're, you know, expecting me to do anything other than play Ghost of Tsushima at the moment is like... Come on, man. I'm See, trying, I'm I, threw you a, I threw you a bone with Hidden Fortress because I, like, I had a feeling that it, both of the best and worst of his movies weren't going to be samurai films. So I thought I'd throw you another little samurai film to fucking... Oh, get, wait, yeah, is Hidden get, Fortress about samurai? Yeah. Yeah, oh. it's about samurais. That's why I chucked Damn, it in I for you. Maybe I liked that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the main inspiration for Star Wars. So I thought oh, you'd okay. get the kicks out of that as well. But, you know, such is life. And I live in fear, you know, <laughs> that 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 heartwarming film. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, I like I live in fear, by the way. Oh, no, um, me too. Me too. Me too. Um, anyway, anyway. So Seven Samurai is about uh, a, a, a farming village. Uh, I forget where it's set, what era it's set between. It's like... Uh, 15, uh, 16th century, I think. Yeah. So, um, there's this little farming village and they're being harassed by bandits. Like the bandits just come and take all their food and shit. Um, at the start of the film, the bandits are there being like, yo, let's go and take all their, their shit. And then they're like, no, we just fucked these guys up. Not that long ago. We got to wait for them to grow more food. And they're like, all right, well, we'll come back next harvest. And then so the villagers are like, oh, no, like these are the most depressed people ever put on screen. Like <laughs> they're so miserable. They're fuck. And, it's fucking bleak and they're fucking pathetic. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all gathered around just crying and just being like, no, we are so helpless. We are so fucked. And then the elder in the village is like, you need to find the samurai. And then so they go into town into like a bigger town and they're looking for some samurai to hire. And all they have to offer them is three square meals a day of just like some pretty decent rice. And, um, so they eventually get together these, um, samurai. I think it's like six samurai or Ronin. If I, if you want to be a nerd about it. Um, and one, um, young guy who wants to be, a samurai. Um, I would argue then, that they got five samurai and then Toshihiro Mifun and the kid. Uh, I thought they had six genuine no, samurai. Well, to- Toshihiro Mifun, like the, the crazy one, he's not really a samurai. Yeah, I thought he. I thought there was eight. I thought that, No, no, no. I thought there was like eight of these dudes. No, the kid counted as one of them. Uh, right. Okay, okay. So you know what's fucked up? The first time I watched it, I made up someone in my head as well. I thought there were... Yeah, but no, the kid is one of them. Because the first time, there's like, there's a bunch of them that like, they're all on screen. For the first time you see like, all of them on screen together. And because the movie's called Seven Samurai, I just... Because I'm like a child brain. I I just counted all the heads and I was like, there it is, baby. The Seven Samurai. Oh, but there's eight of them. Oh, I guess the kid counts as one of the samurai, but the crazy guy doesn't. 
And I just thought there was eight dudes the whole time. No, but remember at the end, there's four swords on the hill and three alive. Yeah, I do remember that, and I was confused. I'm making such a a, a bad case for me to be qualified to talk about movies. <laughs> yeah, you. I watched. Yeah, I watched Seven Samurai, and I thought there was eight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, yeah, so um, gets together. No, I didn't know, but I did the same thing. Like yeah. for some reason, in my head, I had eight. So hmm. yeah, I did. I did the same. I'm thing. I'm gonna pinpoint exactly why I need to defend myself. But yeah. anyway, so. Uh, the samurai end up going back to they they find they get together like seven dudes, and um, and uh, and then they go back to the village and then they stay there and they train the villagers on how to defend themselves basically and they they're pretty much just preparing for war against the the bandits and that's that's most of the film and then it's about how their characters interact with each other. There's a few main characters who are the villagers. And um, we learn a bit about them and how they interact with the, the samurai. And um, I would argue that three, yeah. two to three of the samurai are almost redundant. I don't know if you felt that way. Yeah, kind of. They're not. Um, they're not just like nothing. Back cardboard cutouts in the background, but they aren't. They're not front and center like the others. No. No. And. Um, yeah, what was the what was the worst one we watched? Uh, yeah, a movie called I Live in Fear, which I'm pretty sure was his follow up, but might not be. <clears throat> um, uh, it's a much smaller movie, and it's about um, it's set in the the current day of the time, so set in the 1955 or something, um, and it's about this um, elderly foundry owner who is making plans to um, take move move away from Japan and take his family to Brazil where they'll live on a farm because he is dead scared of another um, uh, H-bomb being dropped um, on, on them. Um, and then, so his family obviously doesn't want to move and thinks he's being paranoid. So they try to get um, like a, a, a medical team to declare him incompetent. And so he loses um, uh, control of his finances. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much the film. Uh, yeah, it follows, it's... it follows him, follows, you know, the members of his family in this struggle. And, um, I guess you could say it follows um, one of the doctors who is struggling morally because if they don't declare him incompetent, you know, he'll, uh, he'll take his family away when they don't want to leave. But also that's a very sensible thing to be scared of. Mm. So that's, that's pretty much the film. That character's almost our co-lead in a way. He's like our perspective into this. That doctor? Yeah. Yeah. He's a bit of a perspective character in this film. And I think he's very important in this film working. Yeah. Like, I think we need that. Uh, I think the film needed that objective kind of, I don't want to say objective. He's very subjective, but he has like a, he has no real dog in the fight. 
So mm. his opinions uh, matter quite a bit. Anyway, um, take a step back. You've never seen Seven Samurai before this, have you? No, I hadn't seen any of his films. Right. Okay. So, you know, always been on my radar just because, you know. What's his name again? Kurosawa. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, no, I feel like such a fucking hypocrite. Like, there are so many names out there that I just can't fucking pronounce. Like, mm. the dude that, like, the dude that directed, uh, what's it called? Fucking, um, Blade Runner 2049. Like, how do you pronounce his name? Yeah, no idea. Dene Vigneau or something. Like, I just, you know, I, like, I feel terrible even just pretending to say it. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so what did you, what did you, Think of one of the most iconic action movies, one of the most inspirational action movies uh, in history. Yeah, I felt like um, it's uh, it's pretty much a flawless film. So I think it's, you know, the Metacritic doesn't surprise me. No. And um, uh, the 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 story is is very is very basic, um, but effective. And the characters um, are a pretty. It's pretty simple. It's not, it's not exactly a character study, but you know all the all the characters that you're you're interacting with um, have characters. Yeah. Um, again, so that's pretty simple. It's all it needs to be. The real what what really makes it a great watch is the cinematography. Yep. Like every the composition. Single Every, yeah, every every single shot is amazing to look at. Like that's that was the whole fun of it. Just just watching everything uh, that's happening, right? Because uh, there's like everything's in focus constantly because he's on the uh, telephoto lenses, and his composition is perfect. It's immaculate, and the way he uses movement in every frame just just makes every single shot a delight to look at. So even as the story's playing out in the foreground, you're seeing little things going on in the background and you just enjoy looking at this picture. Yeah. Um, as well as the action sequences towards the end in the rain, his camera movement is impressive. That's why I enjoyed the film so much. I wasn't super invested in the story i th i felt like the story was good i think what? that i think that like has to do with I, I think that's probably why this film is regarded as like the birth of the action movie you know what i mean like the cinematography a lot of the time and the action and stuff is really what separates a good one from a bad one a lot of the time right and like having a simple enough but engaging enough premise to make us care yeah. Um. And like, I was thinking about it this time. Like, I remember reading a little while ago that Spielberg watches this film before he makes any of his movies. Like, he just oh, watches yeah. this film. And yeah. this specific watch of it, I'm like, fuck, man, Spielberg just rips this guy off. <laughs> like, and I mean that in the in the most endearing way possible. But the way he moves the camera is mm. the way Spielberg moves the camera. Yeah. And it's and it's fucking awesome. You know, um, it's there's a, there's really a lot to learn from watching these films, you know, and yeah. it's like and even even just like it's I don't I don't want to call it just cinematography, but like blocking like the, the way he has characters 
positioned in the frame mm-hmm. is it's always saying something like there's someone there's someone who has their back to the camera and you and like you know like you know the the cool Ronan that's kind of like a, a mis- mysterious. Yeah. Like he's he's kind of always either in profile or has his shoulder to the camera and and it just like you don't need him to be like grumpy or you don't need him to say much to really understand who he is just through that. Yeah. And and that's almost for all of them. Like mm-hmm. like uh my 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 favorite characters uh I can't remember his name. Um but Toshihiro Mifun, you know the the, the fucking crazy one. Like yeah. he's fucking mental and like the most entertaining character ever. Mm-hmm. But but he just like he always just like takes center frame. Like he he comes in and he just like literally cinematography wise, he takes over the scenes. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. And it's like and and it's things that you don't really think about when you're watching it, but you feel it. And yeah, it's it's yeah, it's the cinematography and the blocking for these things that I don't know how many films do it better no it's like he um he's juggling so many things at at once and and just like pulls pulls it off like without any effort yeah it's like um what i was especially impressed by was um so in in plenty of other films you'll have um one frame uh composed pretty well uh and then the you know the character moves and then they follow the character into the uh second position and then the camera locks into second position and you can see that the you know the dop has composed the first shot and then second position has composed that for where the character has their mark and you know they move to this spot and then that's nicely composed and they do not pay attention to any of the any of what's happening in between but he does yeah and i kept like looking for any fault and it's like oh even when uh characters are moving and the camera's following them you could break it down frame by frame each of those frames is nicely composed yep and i think he's a um he's a painter isn't he uh i wouldn't be surprised Kurosawa, I think I read that he um he does his storyboards as watercolor paintings. That's adorable. Yeah, which explains so much about like why he is such an expert at composing frames and why each one does like look like a painting. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but then how he um it's not just like you know setting up the you know the the shapes of people and objects in an aesthetically pleasing manner but what that also says about the characters and the environment and the story in such a simple way and it's like it kind of just like makes me depressed yeah (laughs) because that's that's a really fucking smart guy and my brain starts hurting when i when i start to think about thinking about that much at once and that he pulls it off so well i'm like fuck it's, damn some people are just really fucking good do you do did you do you get a sense of like like i, I don't want to say realism because we're talking about fiction here but did, did you get a sense of realism believability from this film 
from Seven or, Samurai. Yeah, or did it feel heightened and otherworldly to you? No, it felt um no, it felt pretty it felt pretty realistic um for what it was. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with um I know that like they went to some pretty extreme lengths to um for historical accuracy. Yeah. And to also um like rather than shooting this on a set, he built a village. <laughs> so uh What a luxury. You know, yeah, so he went to like great lengths to um to like make the setting feel real. So that even though it's um it it's not completely absurd, but I mean like the way some of the characters act is like the crazy guy, uh that's absurd cartoonish behavior. But I think, um, I believed you know, it though. Like yeah, I, it, because, it seemed like, like I'm like that guy existed back then. Yeah. But because it's like, because the, the director treats it as a real character, treats it as a real person. So therefore the actor treats it as a real person. He is being a real person and they are like in an actual village. If you sort of make the film feel real for everyone involved in it, that feeling transcends onto the screen, yeah. which is why you can be watching something marginally comical or, you know, uh, uh, uh you know, height heightened. Yeah. Um, but it, but it feels real, which is, you know, which makes sense why he goes to, these lengths yeah. so that it, so that it does feel real. Um, the <laughs> actor who played Toshihiro Mifune said that this was his favorite role he's ever played because, um, he was basically playing himself, which, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's probably why it was, um, you know, believable, I guess, but like almost all of them are, you know, like there, there are a couple of them that, that are like weaker actors than the leads. Like, the 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 two particular leads for me, which is him and the you know the the head Ronan, yeah, they're immaculate performances for me. Those two yeah. specifically, mm-hmm. um, I think this film may have been the commercial success and like the phenomenon that it is, because um, it has the balance of again like it's 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 immaculate. But the film also has impeccable brevity. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like there are there are high stakes in it, but it yeah. doesn't ever feel dour. Do you know what I mean? Like it always feels for the like. I, yeah, I know what you mean, but I think that like uh, I agree with you, and uh, what makes it impressive is that you could, uh, you can definitely um, say that this is a depressing film, uh, but not that it makes you feel depressed. No. And that uh, the the situation, like everybody's lives in this, like every single character has a has a horrible life. Like every everyone is struggling. Yeah. Um the 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 villagers, like I said before, um, they're the most miserable people I have ever fucking seen on screen. Uh, they are constantly crying. Um, they're 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 starving. Like they're so skinny. They look miserable. They're pathetic. And even the samurai themselves um, are living pretty shitty lives. Um, I mean, you know, and the bandits who are the um, 
the bad guys, like they live shit lives too, which is why they do it. Like everyone is fucking miserable. Um, but it's like a it's like a heartwarming film, and it kind of has a, a sad ending almost. Oh, very much so. I, I think um, I think for the first twenty minutes, maybe half an hour, it's pretty bleak. Yeah, like just flat out bleak when we're just following the farmers. But when mm. we start getting into the Ocean's Eleven building the team stuff, mm. that does change. Yeah, but you still have the the characters like you know they're like we can only offer you this rice and you know it's it's all we have we're gonna eat this oh no 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 i'm not saying shit. like it just becomes like a fucking hoot you know what i mean like it doesn't become no it definitely feels a lot better to watch it's yeah. not so miserable but you still have uh but that's where the the brevity comes into it and how it's um how it's laced through it to to make it watchable because you still have miserable characters shuffling around miserably and desperate um and you still feel what they're going through but you have um a feeling of um hope and almost like idolization in the elder ronin and um like a, a comic relief in the um uh you know the, the crazy guy who who ends up coming along with them but he also has humanity to him as well you know like the bit yeah. where um he talks about like it, it, he kind of unconsciously admits that he's from a farming village and like he resents them but it's still but it's also the reason he's there helping like it's this weird yeah self-hatred thing and and that motivation is awesome you know like it, it really builds i think he is the most built character would you agree um Maybe, but only marginally. Yeah, like that. There's the main. There's the main leader. What's his name? Kambe, I think. Um, yeah, there's there's the kid who's yep. following him. Like you know, there's like a little love story going on there. Yeah, but like again, backstory and character motivations are still a bit um, left up to the imagination with those. Like you know, the kid's trying to prove himself. He you know you know the whole honor thing. Yeah, you know, pride and all that. The main character who, like, the 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 head Ronan, like, he has a humility to him and a compassion and a and a and a force. Mm. And but like for me, that personally comes almost entirely through his performance and his mm. actions in this in the film. Like, it's not something that we're never really we don't know anything about him at all. Mm-hmm. Like, can you do you remember any bit uh, like apart from the fact that he lost a pretty big battle i'm pretty sure that's hinted to yeah. and the only other person who survived is the guy that survives with him at the end that's like the only real it's mostly just implied yeah I mean, like the like the reason that he is fighting for the farmers is uh it's never explicitly stated but you get the sense that it's um he's doing it for honor yeah and that's why that's that's kind of like why they're all doing it. Do you think he expected to die? Yeah, I think he was maybe even hoping to. Yeah, I got that. Like, uh, I got that specifically from this viewing. Like, this is his lot. Like, this was his swan song. Yeah. You know, and then when he reflects about not winning and the villagers won and not us, it yeah, it became quite apparent that I think that was what he expected to happen. Which is yeah, it was a big loss for him. Yeah, that he was kind of hoping to. 
uh, die with honor. Um, but he he didn't. Just um, you know, four of his comrades dead, and then the villagers are just kind of like, "All right, cool, thanks, see ya," and they're all happy at the end. And he's just like, "Oh shit." <laughs> yeah, he's just gonna continue wandering, and you yeah. know. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sad ending, but like it's a it's not a it's not necessarily bleak, you know what I mean? Like it's it's melancholy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ending the ending suits the film in that uh, on the surface it's it's sad, but it's it's more complicated than that. Like mm. um, it's kind of a kind of a morally ambiguous film at, at times. Like mm. not on the surface, but with the complex situation that they're in, you know, you, you are kind of left with like, well, was that a happy ending? Cause like, well, they beat the bandits and the, the, the farmers are happy, but something just feels wrong. Hmm. Did you, um, did you have a, a favorite character in this one? Yeah. I just liked the, uh, the stoic guy. Cause he was cool. Yeah. Uh, He's it's like a- the, uh, is like the is like the the best fighter and he's just cool that's it i think it's like i think he he's a bit of a blank slate but again like you know like we understand who he is through the through his you know mm. screen direction and cinematography and of mm. course his stoic performance but like yeah he was one of my favorites and i think the little the less we knew about him i think served his character better like i yeah. Like I had a feeling that he was very like he was a little bit of a yin to the Marion character's yang, if you know what I mean. Like they're yeah. very similar, but maybe their outlook on life is a bit different. Yeah, all you understand about him is it's stated that the only thing he cares about is perfecting his craft. Yeah. And that he's definitely like the best fighter for that reason. Yeah. Um and then but then it's a bit of a trip because of that. It's a bit of a treat um, when he 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 wanders off into the darkness because there's two uh, guys with guns uh, who who can who uh, you know are shooting at the the village, and so he says, um, "I'll go get one of the guns." And then he just runs in runs off down the road into the darkness. Comes back a bit later. And he says that he killed two of them and he, and he brings a gun back with him. Um, which I think is where, um, which just, comp- which just fully reminded me of that scene in Mad Max Fury Road. And I was like, oh, I guess that's where he got that from because that's just exactly that bit. You know, when Max just walks off into the darkness to get the guys shooting at them. And then Dude, just, I didn't even s- think about that. Holy you don't shit. See- yeah, you don't see what happens. Just Max comes back covered in blood and they're like whoa but so that happens he comes back and then the young guy just goes over to him looking like he's ready to suck his dick and and then the, oh he's the, giving him some really <laughs> intense eyes yeah the dude's just like uh just like leans against the wall and says i need to get some sleep and then he sees the kid looking at him and he's like what and he's like i just want to say that i think you're f- fucking the best and then he goes off and then the guy still remains all stoic, but then he has like a little smile. There's a little, there's that little twinkle in his eyes. Yeah. Like he, he was flattered and 
you know, gives a little smile and then just like goes to sleep. And that is the most emotion we ever see from that guy. But because he never gives off anything else, that's that, that felt like a real treat, like a real insight into his character where it's like, okay, he does have, he does have emotion. And I mean, the only time he's going to show it is when, you know, he gets complimented on his skill because that's all he cares about. But still that, you know, just that little thing humanized him a lot. Thinking about like flaws in this film and like there's not, there's really almost none. Do you think you could give a brief description of all seven of the samurai? Mm, No, probably not. I can describe like four of them. Yeah. But like you said. I can describe five, I think. Okay, because you said there's like three of them that uh, you don't really, you know, we don't really get yeah. to know. Yeah, so there's, there's well. you know, there's the head Ronin, mm. um, who's, you know, again, like we, we've already fucking discussed him. There's the, the cool stoic guy. There's Toshihiro Mifune, who's the crazy one. There's the kid who's trying to prove himself. The other one that I can kind of remember is the first one that dies in the raid. Mm-hmm. He was like the he was like not the comic relief, but he was like the the heart of the gang. Like he yeah, would... he's the guy who they picked up from the um, he was chopping wood, and he's like a, he's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, they like uh, keep him around for morale. Yeah, um, he's the only other one, and he yeah, I, I was sad when he died because I liked him. Yeah, um, and then there's um, the 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 head Ronan's friend. Yeah. Who all you kind of really know about him is that he's he's also like pretty smart and wise, but you know, maybe not quite as much, but yeah. he's very capable. It's kind of it. Really. And then there's the other one that dies in the battle. And mm-hmm. I cannot tell you a single thing about him no. at all. And except for I think he was leading, he was like head of the training. Mm. That's it. And I, I, like, I, I know, like, it is a three and a half hour movie. I think it could have at least tried with the la- those two to give them a bit more. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm really picking at fucking hairs here. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't think it was, I don't think it was needed uh, personally. I mean, I wasn't missing out on any, I didn't give a shit. I wasn't like, yeah, but tell me about those guys. Like I didn't, I didn't care. And I think to, to, uh, go into them any further would just be like too much. Mm. Yeah, you know? no, maybe a bit too much. You know, they, they, they were already packed with a lot of backstory yeah. and context for the, the characters that we really got to love. It probably would have bloated f- it a bit. The only fault I had, because whenever I'm watching these, I I want there to be, because nothing's perfect, so I want there to be something where I can, like, point out. And the only thing was uh, there's there's one reaction shot on one of the samurai that is too quick. And so I didn't get to see what his reaction was, because it's like... Someone says something and then it cuts to him for like half a second and he pulls some face and then cuts back to the other person who then reacts to his reaction. And I 
it was too quick for me to like see. I had to like rewind to see what happened. One out of 10 farts. <laughs> it's, I, was, I was like, I found it. I found the one complaint I have about Seven Samurai that right. it should have been half a second longer on that reaction shot because it was too quick for me. Um, one One huge compliment I have to give this film is like, I'm not a big war movie fan. I find... And I think it goes for action movies as well, but I, like I find extended battle scenes boring. Yeah, like I, they, it's just not my cup of tea. Like, uh, you know, it. Like I, I, I guess I like Saving Private Ryan, but that's so funny. I what? guess I like Saving Private Ryan because that's a that's how I feel as well. I've seen that movie once, and I was like. I guess I liked it. Yeah, and I don't know. There's just like these set pieces. I didn't enjoy it at all. People always talk about, oh, the first 10 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, I get it. It's yeah, really well made. Like, it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's well made because it makes you go, boy, wouldn't want to be there. But this film, the first half is pretty well dedicated to introducing the characters, setting up the scenario, mm. and then fucking the second half. Of course, there's character development, there's character motivations introduced, there's all these things, mm. but it's an extended battle sequence. It's most... It's like... Uh, like half the movie is them preparing for battle. Yeah. Or like, you know, it's just a lot of um, like strategy. Yeah. Like them, the samurai talking amongst each other, figuring and just strategizing on how to defeat the bandits. And that's that I think is most of the film or at least yeah. like half of it. But what I mean is like there's a solid 50, 40 minutes that's just dedicated to the battle. And, you know, we're coming in and out of it through, you know, it goes to night or something dramatic happens. But mm. I was surprisingly engaged yeah, by it's the not battle just stuff. Pure, yeah, but it's not just because I think it's because it's not just pure action. Because it's like if you say, oh, yeah, it's like a 40 to 50 minutes dedicated to the battle. I think if you haven't seen this, your first thought would be like the two towers. And it's like, no, it's not just which, you know, I like, but it's not just like swinging swords around for 40 minutes uh like a huge chunk of that is not much action it's strategy like, it's strategy which i fucking characters frost. characters communicating with each other strategizing on like you know what they think the enemy is going to do what they plan to do and how they're going to you know lead them over here to trick them in this way and then you get to see them execute their plan. It's it's like 90% planning and then 10% seeing the execution. And because you've seen all that planning, it's very satisfying to see the execution. And that's I mean, a that's, that's a clever that's a clever thing that Akira Kurosawa was pulled off because like I generally would find that stuff tedious. Yeah. But the the setup and payoff is like immaculate. Yeah, because yeah. it feels it feels real, and it's and and it also it feels like they're being very clever, also. Yeah. So it's very satisfying to see them um, pull it off. You know, kind of like Home Alone. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> Which I'm guessing the director of Home Alone watches Seven Samurai like before he made Home Alone and was like, yes. That's such a bizarre thought that I never thought I'd fucking have in my fucking head ever. Um, we've been without sucking Seven this- Samurai, there would be no Home Alone. That's my, that's that's my blurb. That's your uh, hot take of the week. Yeah. Um, we've been sucking this movie's dick for the better part of forty minutes. Should we um, give some attention to the the lesser yeah. film before actually before 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 I jump uh, we jump over? I would like to mention the fact that I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Japan. Akira Kurosawa is considered a bit of a hack. Did you know this? Uh, is it a bit like how Spielberg is considered a bit of a hack? I, I th- well, for me, I think it like from what I what I've gathered is like he is his films aren't well at least this and I think his um, samurai films. I can't say it about uh, the you know I want to live because mm. I find that movie incredibly Japanese, but apparently his films are considered in Japan to be incredibly westernized. Right. And as a result, he's kind of looked at or was for a long time as low art. <laughs> don't, isn't that, I just find that fascinating. Don't you? They're like, uh, this film not... is like huge in America, but yeah. this film might not have been as successful in Japan. Not surprising though, because, um, I mean, Seven Samurai is not the, like, it's, it's kind of tricky because it, it's definitely not shallow, but it's, it maybe it, it, it's, ent- it, it's an entertainment movie. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not fucking drowning in, you know, character depth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just kind of like telling an entertaining story Yep. Uh, and it's presenting it in an extremely fun way. But it's not, you know, it's not like a fucking Michael Bay movie where it's no. just like, it's nothing but trash. No. Uh, yeah, maybe that's why, you know, because... I, I just think it's interesting that, like, you know, he... And, and I think he has admitted that he is inspired by a lot of, like, American cinema. But, like it's impossible to ignore. It's not like he just watched Japanese movies for God fucking sake. Like Mm. that's, that's completely ignorant to think anyone would be like that. But I think it's funny that he's directly inspired by American cinema. And then he is probably one of the most inspirational movies, uh, uh, inspirational filmmakers in Hollywood and how Mm. it just, it's like this weird compacting building on itself thing. is just really funny. Like the amount of Westerns, that are just rip-offs of Akira Kurosawa movies is ridiculous. Well, yeah, because they're all ripping off Magnificent Seven, which was, you know, obviously a remake of... Uh, well, there's se- well, there's Seven Samurai, and then it's Magnificent Seven. Then there's uh, Yojimbo, which is the Fistful of Dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's others as well. I just can't remember them. But it's just, it's... I don't know, I, I if- just... I wonder if maybe in Japan they they like I Live in Fear a lot more than Western audiences do. Because, I mean, by the sounds of it, it's not too well enjoyed. No, so I, I have... A, okay, so yeah, let's let's jump over to I Live in Fear now. I think I think that's a probably a good crossover point. Um, mm. So, yeah, what are your general thoughts on I Live in Fear? 
Uh, I loved. I loved it. I fucking was really surprised how much I enjoyed. I live in fear because I read a little bit about it first and saw, you know, plenty of plenty of freaking comments on the internet saying like, oh, it's kind of a bit of a misstep for him. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to be watching. That is such a like presumptuous, rude thing to say. (laughs) I think I I just don't think they've, I honest to goodness, I think that whoever fucking said that didn't even watch the fucking movie. Yeah. or, Or they were, and this is like my theory as to why it wasn't as well received because it was made just after seven samurai. Yeah. And this is nothing like seven samurai. It's not, it's got no action in it. Yeah. It's a family drama. Yeah. And it's about um, a man who slowly goes insane. But what's interesting about it is that um, people think he's crazy at the start. And then, you know, the real question is like, you know, is has he been driven mad just because people refuse to believe he was sane? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like by the end of the film, he's he's actually gone mad. Yeah. But, you know, what's implied is that it's because no one would take him seriously. It's like he was made to feel crazy um, the, throughout the, the whole film. And so by the end, he actually is crazy. But what makes him go mad is that no one listens to him. But right. he, he keeps saying like, this, he's, he's like, no, but my, my fears are genuine. We, we just had an atom bomb dropped on us and those things are out there and they exist. It could happen again. I'm freaking out. Why is everyone acting so chill? And that's where the, uh, the, the doctor character comes into it. That's played by the, you know, the, the head samurai. Did you, did you notice who played the old man? The oh yeah, the main character. No, yeah, uh, the same guy that played the crazy dude in Seven Samurai. Oh really? Yeah, isn't that fucking crazy? Like he <laughs> looks like an old man. Yeah, he looks so different. I thought it was an old man. No, it's literally him. That's He's awesome. just they've just they just did him up and he hunched and like I you know like I'm pretty sure he was in his like early forties or something, and one year later to t- just turn into just. I, th- I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, Just that's awesome. The, that, yeah, his characterization is fucking amazing. Yeah, well, he really pulled it off. Yeah. Um, one. So I have a different theory as to why this was um, not as successful. I, I can't really talk for American audiences. I think you're probably right with the international reception of it. But in terms of Japan, um, there was apparently an embargo on doing movies about bombs and about the <laughs> and about the war there was right. like a fucking there was like a blanket embargo on telling those stories yeah and this is the first this is this came out the first year that embargo lifted right. and this is the one of the first films to come out about that about the fear of the bomb yeah and my theory is that maybe people weren't ready for it mm and maybe it was hitting a bit like in 1955. Um, we're in the middle of the cold fucking war. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like the whole the whole time everyone's just sitting on their hands worried about the impending doom. Yep. So here's a movie about a man absolutely freaking out while everyone is just fucking peaches. Yeah. Maybe that isn't the kind of film you want to go and take your date to. Yeah, could be. And it's also like um yeah. Could be that. Could be um you know the studio was like please don't can you just can you just make like the the samurai? three samurai? <laughs> yeah, can you do another cool one? He's like, "No, nah, I want to make this very depressing movie." Yeah. So what do you Okay, so like I was really engaged with the character and the scenario, but I was the whole time really trying to figure out what it's actually about, like thematically. Mm. What yeah. do you what did you thematically feel this film was about? Um well, uh I mean like fear is an obvious answer, but about like men- like mental anguish and um there's a few different things that I was thinking. Right. So like I think there's a criticism on on maybe not society as a whole, but on on definitely like a, maybe a certain frame of mind that he felt the Japanese people were falling into that he's quite critical of because the only person in the film who questions the morality of what they're doing by calling a man crazy because he's too scared of dying. Right. Uh, while everyone else is kind of a piece of shit. And I hate his, I hate his fucking family. I hate all of them. I think I I don't like any character in the film. Like they're all pretty unlikable. Uh even the main character himself. Is like I think a, he has unlikable traits, but I don't think he's inherently unlikable. But the thing is you understand where his family is coming from just as much as you can understand where he's coming from. I don't I don't understand where they're coming from at all. They don't want to move to Brazil. No, no, no. So like okay, so don't fucking move to Brazil. Now like but, but I but if, if he does oh. then they are left with nothing. Ugh. I okay, so I I'm going to say this now. You you know this about me, but other people don't. I care so little about fucking money. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand it. I don't care. Yeah. And that's all they gave a shit about. And, you know, like it actually, like it was upsetting me in this fucking movie, how mm. much they cared about money and how that was just completely informing their, the, the way that they treat their father. Right. And now like, it's completely realistic. I'm not saying it's unrealistic. It's that's why it's fucking, it made me angry and depressed is because yeah, I understand yeah. it. But yeah. there's like I think it it was for me it was a cultural clash in my brain. I'm like first thing I fucking did was I moved out of home and I'm making my own thing. All these cunts are just living in his fucking house, mooching mm-hmm. off his fucking money, mm-hmm. and they're complaining about his decisions. Now, it's a time it, uh, again, it's the 50s and it's in Japan. 
And what I've gathered from talking to other people, because I had to figure it out, was it's a, it's a cultural thing. Family mm. units are a lot tighter and they kind of, they, they it, like it's not un, uncommon for three generations to live in the same house. Yeah. And that, that to me is kind of where I was getting frustrated is like, have some fucking agency, have some fucking free market capitalism, fucking go and make it yourself. And I think that was really getting <laughs> what? Why aren't you sitting on chairs? What the fuck is wrong with these no, people? No, fuck off. No, that, <laughs> fuck you. That's not what I'm saying at all. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. And you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, yeah. I, it's, I get, it's yeah, just, I get It's just saying. this like reliance on uh, inheritance and money that that I'm just like, fuck off, like go away, like. Well, I think he's being. I think he is being critical of that. Sure, of course, of course. No, like it's very clear that he's being critical of that. But that the 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 re- I'm like this guy's putting up with this shit. What's mm. going on? And and I and I pondered it, and the conclusion I came to is he likes that they're there. Because this character, his fear isn't of the bomb. Mm. His fear is of losing control. Right. Now, he doesn't, he likes his family being close. He likes having them there because, you know, it's like a power thing. It's a control thing, right? Now, Mm. introduce the fucking hydrogen bomb. Yeah. And that takes away all control from him. He loses all control. Because yep. his destiny is out of out of his hands, mm-hmm. and he's and he's clawing, and you know, and, and and of course, like it's not just that that's sociopathic, and I don't think he is. I think he genuinely cares about his family, but mm-hmm. I think this man inherently loves having control. Yeah, and then there's this fucking hydrogen bomb that could just fucking drop and kill him, and he didn't have a word or a say in it at all, mm-hmm. and I think that 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 shakes his fucking character to the core do, do, yeah. do you know where i'm coming from it makes yeah he yeah he's completely powerless to yeah. defend himself from the bomb um and then therefore uh yeah it is kind of like a guy who um has has previously been in um, and it's like a, a, a highly esteemed position of power. He's yep. the owner of the foundry. Yeah. You know, he's, he's a rich man. And so he's, you know, every member of his family who, which, which is made up of like, uh, you know, his wife, uh, wife's children and then two mistresses and then children of them, um, and so it's it's like a big family, and every single one of them looks up to him. He's kind of like a king. Um, and slowly yeah, but systematically, the whole film is about taking away his control and his power, until yeah. he's just this rambling thing in a fucking mental hospital. Like that—that's yeah. literally what's the the whole film is just him getting that's get him losing that, and that's the thing that he wants and cares about the most. I think. Yeah. And and again, I don't think that that disvalidates him as being a caring person who cares about his family. Mm. I think that that's again that's that's a sociopathic well, he character. Even, he even says himself that um, at first 
um, he thought that he could leave them behind. Like towards the, sorry, towards the end of the film, he's at, like literally begging them to come with him. And then he says, at first I thought I could just leave you behind. And then I realized I couldn't. And, you know, that implies that this fear has brought out humanity in him and that like before he, you know, thought that he was the type of person who could just like, all right, fine, fuck yous, I'm going. But then he, he, he can't, he can't leave them behind. So I think you're right in that first and foremost, what he really cares about is power. Uh, and then he does care about his family, but that comes second. My my favorite moment in this film was after the second confrontation in the hearing, mm. in which they basically it's pretty well decided at that point that they're not going to give him. I think he has a big blowout, um, or the fam. It's like the first time the family really nail it home to him that he's fucking incompetent. And they're all yep. waiting in the hallway and they're all like, where'd he go? Oh, good. If he, if he goes, we win. Yay. Yeah. And he comes back with like sodas for all of them. <laughs> My favorite bit in the film. It's just like, no, nah, that's not how he plays. And he, uh, and I just love that he thought about them when he goes to get himself a drink. Yeah. But, but at the same time. You could argue there is a bit of a power play in that as well, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, I think it's just the depth of it was, was frustrating me until, you know, it's like that there's a, there's a puzzle and then you're missing this piece. Mm. And then once I kind of figured it out, the movie became far more enjoyable for me. You know, was mm. it, this isn't something like there are scenes that I'm, I'm reminiscing on loving, but only now in retrospect do I, I do I genuinely appreciate, which is, I, I don't know, it's a pleasant experience. Like from talking about them both with you, like I actually want to go and watch these both of these films again, like really soon, mm. which, um, you know, is it again, again, a testament to his storytelling, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a really good example of um, how to write a drama um because this is like a this is like a proper drama and and done well in that uh every character is you know morally ambiguous and you sometimes side with um characters who you disagreed with in a scene previous and everyone does some things good and then some things bad but even when they're doing the bad things, you understand why they're doing them. Even if you don't agree with them, you understand what they're doing and where that's coming from and understand like the humanity in them. You know what I mean? I, I like the thing is I can understand where the family's coming from, mm. but for the most part, I was so just not on their side at any point. Like that, the, there are points where I was not where he would do some pretty bastardy shit himself, you know, mm. but, yeah. f but I was pretty well not repulsed by him at any point. I was pretty repulsed by him as much as I was repulsed by anyone else. What's like a, what's a moment in which 
made you feel repulsed with him? Um, he keeps shouting down his family, calling them fools and hitting them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but, like, okay, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating um, domestic violence here. I just but mean one that, of like, his he sons, seems- One of his yeah. sons was going out of his way to antagonize him. He was the one that kept getting hit. Yeah. Was the same son that was being an absolute fucking tool. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, again, I'm not advocating violence to solve problems, but, you know, personally, right. when that character got hit, I wasn't necessarily upset, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, um, so I didn't like anyone. Um, the only person that I could relate to was the doctor who is just caught uh, in, you know, in between a rock and a hard place. Like, he's so... He's in just, like, the fucking worst position. Um, but I understood the the family. Um, in, and I, I think, like, that son puts it best, where um, he... He says to his dad, he's like, this money is, is all I have. It's like, that's his life security. So therefore, of course, it's what he cares about the most. That's not to say that the actions he takes are good or even justified, but it definitely makes sense. For the character. Yeah. Why? Like, why they're doing that because they're, they're desperate. Um, some family members are worse than others. Um, once, like once he, um, he has a heart attack or something and he ends up in hospital and they're talking about, you know, the, that he might die. There are family members there who are straight away concerned about the, the state of his, the state of his will. And then there are others who are like, "What an awful thing to be talking about." I, I can't remember this. exactly, but if I do, if I remember correctly, they're actually actively talking about it while he's in the room asleep. Yeah, yeah. Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. So there are definitely some that are that are that are worse than others, but again, you can understand why. And I don't think it's a coincidence um, that um, when the son says. Uh, this money is all I have. It's my, it's my like security for quality of life. I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. Um, and then he puts on uh, a record, like immediately after he says that, he puts on a, a record and starts listening to it, which obviously at the time would have been um, a, like a luxury. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think there's, you know, there's some things in there about, um, modern day luxuries, uh, greed, uh, complacency, probably about, you uh, know, I, I did keep wondering because it felt like that if I, if this movie was modern and set in, uh, like America or something, I would be like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a criticism of capitalism. Um, because, the family is is greedy and they've lost they've lost sight of more important things like um family 
uh, and, and all, they, all they seem to care about is money. And also they wouldn't care so much about money if the threat of homelessness wasn't there, which means they're also controlled by a greedy authoritarian state. But I don't really know what the economic situation was in 1950s Japan. I think I, I think you've got a... I think Bong Joon-ho said it in an interview about Parasite. Um, he said that he was making a movie about... With Parasite, of course, he was making a movie about the class divide in... Um, in in Korea, right? Mm. And then it ended up having a mass appeal internationally. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that this is touching on the same themes, but I think these sort of themes are universal. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's there. Uh, I don't know if it is necessarily, you know, using it as, um, this is my movie about class. Yeah, no, no, that again, no, but that, sorry, I apologize. That's what I said. I said it's not touching on the same themes. No, I'm, I'm just saying that you. the themes that you, that we're talking about here, comparing yeah. it to say an American film, I think is irrelevant. I think it's just universal. Yeah, because you hear them say several times uh, the doctors as well, um, like, um, you know. Hey, we can't just let this guy take his family over to Brazil and, you know, then they lose their, you know, right of agency or whatever. Um, and we also can't let him just leave them with nothing. They'll end up homeless. So, you know, that like, you know, the threat of homelessness is there and that they, you know, this family has, you know, the threat of homelessness underneath them. And even, like, the threat of losing... Isn't one of them a fucking dentist? He's got a job. Yeah. Like, I just... That, see, that that's the, the... Like, it's again, it's a cultural thing, but that just blows my fucking mind. Yeah, but they live in, like, absolute comfort. But because why this do guy you is... want to live there? Why do you not want to live on your own? That's just a cultural thing. Yeah, 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 I don't know. It's like we all just kind of are a big family. I I think it would probably Yeah, but they fucking hate each other. Yeah, but it would, you know, it's like cultural norms. It's, you know, the things like, you know, hey, why don't you just move away and do your own thing? It would be like, what? Because that's not what happens. Yeah, I know. talking about. That's insane. Yeah, um, no, it's, you know a, what is, it's just a, it's just a, it's just very foreign to me. That's fair. It was uh, another time in another country, so that makes sense. Mm. Do you know what I find interesting is um, your uh, focus on the personal story of the the guy, um, you know, about like him, how it's really about him losing power yeah and going insane where i was looking at it um from like a more of a uh, social standpoint it wasn't so much about how this guy is losing his mind it's about how everyday people are losing their mind because of this new insane threat and this crazy new world uh post 
post-World War Two. Totally. I don't think you're wrong. Like, I don't, I think it's quite, I don't want to say obvious that the mm. film's talking about that, but there's literally a character, which is the doctor that spells it out. It's like, one of the themes is, of course, like, who is the who is crazy? Him for worrying or us for not really for not. thinking about it? Yeah. Um, which is which is very uh, which is an interesting point. Who you know, like I, I I and I agree. Like I think there is there is a really bizarre thing when it comes to like blissful ignorance. In modern society, and you know, I think we've talked about it before. This year specifically seems to be a bit of a wake-up call for society. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that stuff, so I think this film is actually quite probably a good film for people to watch this year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. I mean, uh, this has been uh, maybe the worst year on record. Yeah. <laughs> In like ever, um, you know. I mean, sort of like if you if you averaged them all out. Yeah. You know, um, but I've been kind of having a ball because, uh, for uh, my whole life, pretty much, I have been feeling like I'm crazy because I'm like, why isn't everybody miserable and always shouting? Because... (laughs) That's how I feel, and I feel justified in that belief, which is why I've always preferred rainy, cold days, because everybody is miserable on the outside, and I feel like that makes sense for the piece of shit world that we live in. And this year has been, has seen most people acting like that, uh, constantly pissed off, scared, confused, and losing their minds. Uh, and then, you know, I've always had the opinion of anyone who says, um, you know, hey, it's it's not that bad. Why don't you look on the bright side of life? It's like now I feel like it's 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 the social norm to tell those people to be pessimistic. Yeah, yeah, to say, hey, why don't you shut the fuck up? The world is burning, and yeah. you don't care. Yeah, so I've been smiling a lot more this year because because I feel comforted that everyone else is is seeing it. Hey Dane. It's like it, you know, but that's why I that's kind of why I was laughing a lot during this movie because it's like, yeah, I get this guy where he's like, what are we going to do? What like and he's just worried about the atom bomb. That's it's, that's that is one like, of our problems. That at is the moment. like like fucking in the like number nine. Yeah, on the on the list of that things was to that worry was about. that was so February this year. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's just like uh, oh yeah. Also, nuclear war possibly. Um, Do so, you think this character would have had a ball this year? Yeah, and I think he would have felt a. Lo- that's that's the thing. I think he would have felt a lot better if more people around him, or at least someone else, was like, "Dude, I know, right? <laughs> is isn't this fucked? And why is everyone acting so chill?" But the thing is, no one ever, no no one in the film really gave him a reason not to. 
Yeah, like, and no one ever says like everyone just is constantly telling him to calm down and then he's going but there are those bombs it was dropped on us it could happen again any day now and then their response is like yeah but we don't know that yeah it's fine it's like no it's not no it's what (laughs) so that just makes him like double down constantly and, 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 you know, that, that kind of thing will drive you insane. And that's why I think at the end of the film, he is actually properly crazy because there wasn't a single other person who was like, yeah, it's fucked, right? Everyone just kept telling him to calm down, kept calling him, yeah, you know, to, he, yo, you're being too anxious or you're going over the top. And he's like... Bitch, what? <laughs> and I, I please think, someone. I think that's what's like clever about this film. I like I I, I think that we're both right as to yeah, why both he goes insane. I think mm-hmm. they're in in inherently connected, and that's this film's very clever. Like very clever. I I, I do have to say, um, I watched I I watched four Akira Kurosawa movies. Um, I watched Seven Samurai first, then I watched this, then I watched the Hidden Fortress film, and then I watched another one, uh, called, uh, Akira, which is To Live, and, um, it actually fucked me up, like, it emotionally (laughs) fucked me up, because, um, the first one is Seven Samurai, which is, you know, it's melancholy, but there's the brevity there, you know, it, 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 like, it's pleasant enough to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's the, it has the camouflage and the trappings of an action movie. It's fun. It's an adventure film. Um, then I watched this and I don't know, would you agree that it's like not a bad thing, but this is a pretty morose film. Yeah, definitely. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't ever try to offer you any brevity. No, it's, it doesn't pull any it, of its punches at all. No, it's it's not apologizing. It it's like it beats the shit out of you. Yeah, and and then that's that's it. <laughs> and then that's it. Then I watched uh, Hidden Fortress, which is um, probably his lightest film. Mm. Like it's very light and very like Seven, like not like Seven Samurai, but like the humor of Seven Samurai is in the film. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like it's it's seven, it's the Seven Samurai feel but leaning more into the comedy, right. um, which is awesome. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like getting hypothermia emotionally because I'm in and out of hot hot and cold fucking water. <laughs> and then I watched the last, I watched Ikiru to Live, which is a movie about a guy who finds out he's got stomach cancer and he's struggling to figure out what to do to have meaning in the world. Mm. And it fucked me up for a few days. I actually put off the podcast recording this with you because of how emotionally distraught mm. these fucking movies got me. And it just That's it just it just shows how like effective he is at what he does, you know? He doesn't pull his punches. And um I think that's what we kind of deserve from films, you know? Yeah. To if to to feel the this shit sometimes and like I have you you I really give this guy a lot of credit. 
Um, and can, I can't believe that like I got had that experience with I Live in Fear, which is regarded as a lesser film from him. What the yeah. fuck? I mean, you know, maybe because it's uh you know, it's not as enjoyable as Seven Samurai. No. It's not there's nothing fun about it. There's no but brevity. Also, yeah, but also I just want to say is that um it's not melodrama either. No. Um it feels just like a, a very real scenario. Um but also his stunning composition is still present throughout. So you know, maybe um if you don't want to be depressed, you could just turn the subtitles off and just, you could still watch it. That's uh, interesting. Cause it's, it's, it's fun to look at. Still. I, I would argue that he is so good at his job. We'd probably still know what was happening in a way. Yeah. You'd get that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. You would. I think you'd, st- I think we'd still be depressed, you know, Yeah. by the yeah. end of it. Um, do we want to have a look at some reviews or? This is a 10 out of 10 review by Pure Cinema. Scored that name. Is that a thing? Early on. What? Oh, from 1998. Holy shit. This is like. This was the first guy on the internet. Yeah, this. He got away with his like login passwords being one, two, three, four. You know? yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Um, okay, so uh, uh, Kurosawa is the greatest director that ever lived. Uh, from twenty sixth of December, nineteen ninety eight. Fucking hell! It was probably a sad Boxing Day, and he just watched movies or a good one. Yeah. Um, so just after Christmas, uh, Kurosawa's Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, Akira Kurosawa's masterpiece. The Japanese equivalent to Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. I say it's just as good, if not even better. Not only Kurosawa's most well-known film, but the most widely recognized Japanese film ever made. This movie will forever be known as a milestone in motion picture history. The story revolves around a village that has become a group of bandits coming, looting, and pillaging around... The villagers cannot take this any longer and go to town to hire warriors to defend the village from the bandits. A wandering ronin, uh, by uh, agrees to help them and with his help they recruit six others that agree to take the job. The seven samurai teach the villagers how to stand up to the bandits and defend themselves. Finally, when the time comes, they engage in a fierce battle. Oh, sorry, I fell asleep there. That's just the plot. Yeah, I fell asleep there for a bit. This okay, is... about once in every 20 years or so, we are gifted with a film that has the meaning, power, richness, and technique that Seven Samurai has. I cannot urge anyone enough to see this film. The images are true cinematic poetry, rich with so much emotion, that I cannot even describe them in words. If you have never seen any of Kurosawa's works, then please see Seven Samurai. You'll witness the true beauty. All right, whatever. Okay, so I can't disagree with anything that he said, but he absolutely no, but said nothing. Like, yeah, but it's just like, whatever. Um, like... This, yeah, I don't know. We, we said this. Like, this, the story is good, and the characters are, are better than possibly they deserve to be. They're interesting. Um, he's just so good at what he does. Yeah, like, that's the thing. He's so, like, you know, to, to just, like, describe what's happening, you picture it in your head, and it's not as good as what he's put on film. 
So no. you just ha- you just have to watch the movie because if you describe what happens, it doesn't even sound that fucking interesting. But it's more about like how fucking every little moment is 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 done as as you know as good as you can do it. Yeah. So it's like um. You know, it's no, one but of the remember best... there was that one shot where they didn't hold on the reaction long enough. Zero cut. out of ten farts. One, yeah, that one cut, I didn't, I didn't like. Um, but yeah, and if you <laughs> if you put off if you put off like old movies or whatever, where you're like, oh, what made in the fifties? Oh, black and white. I don't. It's not. You don't have to make exceptions where you're like, oh yeah, but for the time, it's like nah, it's still sick today. Like it's it still rules. Totally, you don't have to you don't have to make any exceptions for the time. Like it's still really fucking good. I honestly think this might be a weird thing, but I think the actual like quality of the film, like the film stock from the fifties, like it's actually quite crude. The film that he shot this on was quite crude. There were 50s films around this time where they had VistaVision, everything was crisp. I mm. think the look of this film actually enhances the atmosphere. Mm. I know that because yeah, they're, they're, it's they're grainy, like- it's gritty, it feels it feels like I don't want to say documentary, but it feels lived in. The film feels lived in, you know? Mm. Yeah. It doesn't feel like this bloated for a film that's three and a half hours, it doesn't feel like a big, epic, bloated mess. You know what I mean? No, it feels more like um, it feels more like a uh, like a six part show. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because like it, it kind of does feel like it goes in like six acts almost. Like you got like the first half hour in the village, and then the next half hour is in the town, and then there's like another half hour of them getting to know know them and then they start um planning and then the fighting starts and then there's the big battle shit at the end yeah um it sort of goes in like chunks like like really digestible chunks um it's never boring no like not once like even if you don't even if like you don't even really care about the story or the characters or what's happening which i think is impossible to not but but even if you know even just the picture you're looking at is is awesome to look at. Mm. I think I think the word I was looking for was textured. Like it, it the, the 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 film quality looks textured. Like it gives it a feel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, well, I, I I was kidding when I said no one could not enjoy it because clearly some cunt didn't because we've got a one star review here. Yeah. So this is a one star review by Art Kozak from December two thousand and four. Doesn't live to the expectations. Um, you are joking. This is way overrated due to those who want to sound more clever and pretend they actually enjoy something that is ever so slow and long. In fact, this movie has lost any kind of interest. <laughs> no, it has not aged well at all. Believe me, I like some black and white movies such as Charlie Chaplin's or even that recent pie, the number one. What? The... I know the movie, but what is he talking about? Uh, the recent. No, but pie like, one. yeah, I know, like Pi by like fucking what's his yeah. name, the dude that did Black Swan and shit. But yeah, but like, is he talking about old movies or is he talking about black and white movies? What are you talking uh, about? Black and white, I guess. Oh, okay. 
It sounds like he's gonna say old movies, but then he's like, oh no, even the recent black and white one. Um, the other day I watched King Kong, and however clumsy the special effects of the time were, I don't think they were clumsy. Um, it's just of the time. <laughs> it only gives a special dated kick to it, and some of the dinosaurs' fight are quite surprisingly awesome as you get used to the general texture of the time. With this one, you are just in for boredom and disappointment. It's almost silent for three and a half hours, and the fights are theatrically overacted. It is ridiculous. Sure, this movie was something in 1954, before Star Wars, Aliens, Lord of the Rings, and Akira, among others. But I believe that to actually enjoy that one, you would need to be a historian of cinema, with a strong knowledge of everything that was happening surrounding the movie, which might provide you with a light that I haven't found. I don't see the point. There does seem to be a consensus that the age of a movie compensates for its shortcomings. I don't think so. It certainly is part of the reason, but it doesn't make it less boring. So come on, a really great movie should stand the test of time. And that sure means that this one is crap. <laughs> Equip yourself with popcorn and beer if you are to watch it anyway. It might keep you some company. I hate this cunt. I love him. <laughs> Why? <laughs> the fucking balls. Just to be like, uh, yeah, this movie doesn't... Seven Samurai doesn't stand the test of time. No, but it's the whole American a constitution thing where he has the right... He doesn't like that other people like something. So yeah. he goes in to hate it. Yeah. And it's his right to write this review, ripping it apart, when he hasn't really said anything about it that... Like, he says it's boring. No, he just says it's boring. But he doesn't say why. He doesn't say anything about the movie. Maybe he was expecting it to, like, have shitloads of sword fights. Like, he doesn't like that there's so much talking. You, you, you know how... It's like tall poppy syndrome. Some people just, like... I can't tell you how many people I know that like hear of a movie being good mm. and then being like, when they watch it, they're like, oh, it was overhyped. Well, it's fun to, to not like something everyone else does. So like, yeah, I, but like I put on Seven Samurai hoping I didn't like it. Really? I did. Of course. Because that would be sick. Imagine if I was on the podcast and you're like, so Dane, what did you think of Seven Samurai? And I'm like, well, Joe, I didn't like it. Here's all my reasons why. So but I got to be honest. What's when, wrong with the planet? Wrong. The people. What's wrong with the planet are people like this who, who will say that they don't like it. Anyway. Even when they, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, hey, I'm. You know, I would love to say I didn't like it. Unfortunately, but, but isn't I there a thing? Isn't there this thing where you go in without n any preconceived ideas? Where you go in and you go, I have no fucking clue what I'm going to see, and only after I've watched it do I form an opinion. What's wrong with that? What? Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, you got to sort of like wash yourself of expectations. I just, I, I don't know. I just find it, I just... Right, how can you not go into a movie you've even just heard of without any preconceived ideas at all? I try my best. Yeah, but to completely wash your mind, you'd just be sitting there like, who am I? What am I doing? No, fuck off. 
No, fuck off. Like, oh, what's this movie called? Seven Samurai. Well, yeah, that's I have what you no did. No idea. <laughs> I have no idea what this is about, and I'm I, I I don't know what a samurai is. I don't know what seven is. I before I watched um, uh, his two non-Japanese movies. Like, but when I before I watched um, I Live in Fear, I had no mm. idea what it was about. No, nah, me. Either. I actually like. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have to know what it was before I saw it. I just put no. it on. No, it's always more fun when you don't know what a movie's about. I, I, think didn't... I, I think I enjoy them more that way. Oh, yeah. That's the case for everyone, though. That's why J.J. Uh, Abrams pulls that fucking dirty trick all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, you got no idea what the fuck is going on. Yeah, because he happen? misleads people with the trailers. What's... What's Super 8 even about? Yeah. No one knows. You have to go see the movie to find out. And then you're like, oh, it's... Or, or like CT. him in the fucking promotional for fucking Star Trek Into Darkness. Benedict Cumberbatch is not Khan. I, I swear to God, Benedict Cumberbatch oh, yeah, is that's, not Khan. That's when he just started straight up lying. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm watching the movie and there's a bit where Benedict Cumblebum is like, Khan. And I'm like, fuck you. My Fuck name you. is Khan. Yeah, um, well, that pissed me off. Anyway, uh, yeah, I hate Cumberbatch hate... is a cunt. Yeah, no. Nah. What is? Yeah, no, nah? no. Nah. You love Cumber. <laughs> you love Cumberbunch, don't you? I'm like, I don't. I don't have a problem with him. That you seem to. He sucks. That's why he sucks. <laughs> he's shit, and he's got a fucking. Weird fish head. You're the cunt that's watched all of Sherlock, so shut the fuck up. Uh, I stopped halfway through the fourth season because boy, does it get bad. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's continue, shall we? Fuck this cunt. I disagree with him. Yeah, I didn't like either of those reviews. To be honest, I didn't like that. The 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 first one is the most forgettable. Like that first review, the ten star would win the big brother hat would win big brother because they'd fly under the radar. They're so inconsequential. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This would win best IMDB user review because no (laughs) one thinks about it. Yeah. Anyway, that other guy though, I don't know. I'd have a beer and watch a fucking old dinosaur movie with him. Yeah. Okay. This is a 10 out of 10 review by sleep deprived. I like that name. Excellent moving film. Uh, November 2004. I Live in Fear is a thought-provoking moving film about love, greed, and fear, framed as only Kurosawa could. Love? Yeah, family, I guess. Okay. Um, If you're a fan, it's a must-see, as it explores new and old themes in a stark, interesting manner. Excellent acting throughout, and please look carefully... Mifun. Mifun wears no makeup, just huge glasses and a perpetual scowl. His talent and intensity were all he needed. This film also gives us an interesting look at Japan after the bomb and the different ways people choose to deal with the fear they all in fact felt. The film does not judge, sympathizing with children even as it highlights their selfishness. A good movie to make you think about where we've been and where we might be headed. That's a pretty good review. Yeah, it's pretty um, balanced. You know, not saying too much and not trying to sound smart, but also, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, like this is a really good movie, and 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 fucking what really helps it is the runtime. It's only like an hour forty. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you know if this shit was three and a half hours long, I'd hate it. But it's like an hour forty of like kind of the op- it's 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 almost like the opposite of Seven Samurai, and I reckon that's probably on purpose. After he made Seven Samurai, went out, built a village, and made this fucking action epic, it was like, okay, now I want to make a really small film. Right. It's it's like um PT Anderson with uh Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. He made fucking that Magnolia and then he's like I need to fucking make a fucking 90 minute movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, so this yeah, this one's like a a pretty small movie but it's it, it, it's a it's about a lot. Why I enjoyed it almost as much as Seven Samurai like in different ways is that uh you know, this one is much more about exploring these exploring characters. Seven Samurai, they're kind of like, you know, a bit deeper than this than the surface, but they're all they need to be. But this is just a full on family drama that gets burrows right down into the psyche of, you know, several characters. And that's completely what it's about. And then also into the psyche of the society as a as a whole yeah um which is why it's enjoyable because it's a fucking i wouldn't say perfect i don't want to say perfect but it's like it's an extremely well-written drama like it's such a good example of how to write drama so up until this point so i've seen a bunch of uh akira kurosawa movies but um I somehow strategically, and I think that it's because they're his more acclaimed movies, but Mm. all of them that I had seen up until this point were his samurai movies or like his period films. Yeah. So this film really opened my eyes to him. And now like a lot of them, all of them are very different and all of them touch on very interesting themes. Some are Shakespeare adaptations. He, He does you know, he does handle some pretty heavy, meaty subjects. But um, this in particular took me to another level of respect simply because um, I wasn't... Ex- like, it's I'm not used to him telling this kind of story, like a contemporary story, you know? And mm. and you, you saw one after the other, yeah. and they're almost completely opposite movies. Yeah. But I think he's... Like, I hate, like, again, I'm the guy that fucking, what's his fucking name? Uh, what's the name of the dude? Motherfucking review that gave it one star. Oh, yeah. I'm the guy he hates by me even right. just saying that, that I think he's a, he's a fucking master, you know? Yeah, but it's, you know, you're not saying that just because you feel like that's the opinion you're supposed to have. No, we just talked for an hour and a half as to why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's just fully justified. Anyhow. Um, so, this is a 5 out of 10 review. Yep, it's by, the lowest I could find. Yeah, by DT Rocco. Uh, this film made me sick. What injustice. Uh, 5 out February, of 10. <laughs> from February 23. I love this guy. I, oh, it made me ill. But I'm still giving it 5. Yeah. 
I love Akira Kuros Kurosawa. However, this movie made me so angry I couldn't get through more than half of it. Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell does that family think they are? The man was in no way mentally incompetent, and having him declared so was a shocking injustice. He only went crazy after he was denied the rights to his own property in a kangaroo court. Wait, did he watch the whole film or not? Um, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't get through more than half of it, but then he knows that he actually goes crazy. So, I don't know, because he starts to, um, he starts to lose it a bit about halfway through. Yeah, true. Which is, which is around the time that they declare him incompetent. incompetent because he starts to you lose it a little bit but that's that's like fear that's like an anxiety making him yeah. uneasy um <laughs> this is like if you said oh i turned off seven samurai who the hell do those bandits think they are those farmers earned that that rice <laughs> Um, it sounds like he's a, as emotional about it as me, but for some reason he turned the film off and didn't... Couldn't stand it. Hated that family. Yeah. So much. Um, what a joke. If you could have somebody declared incompetent because the mooching children don't want to move to a new location, our asylums would be overflowing a hundred times more than they already are. Um, okay. Uh <laughs> What a shocking injustice. I can't... Does he think this really happened? Yeah, I don't know. It's... it's no, Like, the thing is, like, it made me mad. Right. It's... Yeah, it's, but, it's supposed to. But it's to. like a movie. And what made me mad is how much I believed it... Like, like how well it's done. And I believed it because I know that happens. Yeah, what's really interesting about this review is that... Uh, He's kind of saying he's he's saying this is an incredibly well-made film. In fact, it's so well-made it it upset me to the point I had to turn it off. Cuz he believes he he believes so much in what he's seeing on screen. He's not like this is a preposterous premise. It would never happen. It's just the content of what's happening is making him upset. He's not criticizing the filmmaking at all. He's just saying, I don't like these people. And not that they're unrealistic. I think that his issue is that it's so realistic that it's upsetting him. See, it's making the him thing is, very I want, depressed. I would, I want whatever he's drinking because I'd love to feel that much about a film, you know? <laughs> And I do sometimes, like I said, this movie had a great impact on me, but not like, not like this, you know? Yeah. yeah I would love to feel this much about anything. Uh, I can't believe more people aren't blown away by the lack of a business owner's right to do as he wishes with his own property. I don't understand what that means. I can't believe. No, no, no. People... He's coming from the same point as me. You know how I'm like, um, fuck off your mooches it annoyed me how much they relied on him and he should be able to do whatever he wants yeah he's coming from that angle right but he can which is why that this is this is the this is the family's only resort that they have i know so i don't understand what he's saying 
I can't. Oh no, he, he's people... just—he's literally offended by the politics of the movie. Yeah. Um, okay. Which I, I am too, but that makes it a good. But I'm offended by that too, but that makes it a good film for me. It makes it compelling. It doesn't yeah. make me like upset. Like it makes me upset, of course, but it doesn't make me turn off a movie and like rant about it like it's I read it in the fucking paper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you think also um, there's a possibility that the other doctors are more inclined to declare him incompetent because, like, the 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 anxiety that he has over the bomb is something that they feel, but they they dismiss it in their own heads in order to maintain some kind of peace with oh, no totally if they acknowledge and so it, the reason that they want to declare him insane is because they want that to be the reality that totally because if they if they is... if they fucking side with him then they're opening a real big can of worms in their psyche mm. that becomes it becomes like oh if they're letting him get away with that then then it means that it's something they need to be scared of yeah and, and if they say no he's right to be this upset then they have to address it within themselves totally and then that becomes mm. that becomes a living nightmare good shit yeah it's shit. it's really good shit i'm really sad that this guy uh is so right, let me upset f- yeah. let me finish this um I wish he would have snapped and murdered his entire ungrateful piece of shit family by finding some way to leak radiation into their rooms. Holy shit, that just took a heavy fucking turn. My Five God. out of ten. And he Five meant it too, ten. didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he got... Fuck. He's so upset. <laughs> DT Rocco. Dude. Uh, all right. Wow. I mean... Uh, I understand <clears throat> where his family is, is coming from. Like, even if, um, look, if there's any, if there's any villain of the piece, uh, which is, you know, obviously the, the bomb, I guess, is the antagonist. Um, but his, his family is obviously, um, more unlikable than him, I think, only because you can relate to fear like the fear he's feeling and, you know, you feel sorry for him. Um, but I don't, I don't hate the family. I think that's, that's the, the problem. And that's like the d- dilemma of the, the doctors, at least the main doctor that we follow. Um, yeah. in that, you know, he, he's, his entire, his entire family doesn't want to just move to Brazil and live on a farm. They have lives and, you know, in, in Japan. Um, but, you know, so I think the real problem is that you have, you know, you, you have men with the ability to control their entire family. Like where this guy says, I can't believe more people aren't blown away by the lack of a business owner's right to do as he wishes with his own property, it's like, yeah, but then he kind of does treat his family like property. Well, that's the thing. That's why I'm like, I think it's a control thing. And that's what made, that was the key that unlocked the movie for me is that he likes having control over them. Yeah. And he has power from that. 
So yeah. it's not it's not necessarily like it's a thing is like he's trying to balance all these. He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. And yeah. this whole situation really um, puts a fucking like puts a bullet in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole bomb thing. He he likes having them around. He likes being the the patriarch. Yep. He likes that he has de- he he likes having dependents. You know, yep. and then in the at the end of the day, that's his Achilles heel, and that's the reason he falls. And that's the reason the film exists. Without yeah. that, there would be no movie. He would be in there's Brazil. There's going to be, yeah, maybe if there's going to be a lesson to take from it at all, or a message, is that <clears throat> patriarchy, concentrated power is bullshit. Yeah. It, it gets you into the position that this guy is in. Yeah. Heavy uh, lies the g- crown. It gets us all into the position of where they're building atom bombs. So, I don't know, maybe that's the thing to take away from it. Yeah. I didn't really come away thinking that anyone was right or wrong. And I think that's the point of it. Like at the very end, that doctor who is questioning the whole thing morally and doesn't know what to do is so fucking broken over yeah. the whole thing. I, I think I ended up going siding with the father more simply because he was kind of the underdog in the story. And he was, he was, he represented, uh, like a minority voice in that sense, in that, in that, in that, in that other theme that you more connected with on that side of it, I was firmly with him on that quest, if you know what I mean. But when it comes to likability, yeah, both sides aren't really likable. And with the, with the kids, the magic of it is um, they're unlikable because of, you could you could hate them because of their actions, yeah. or you might not hate them for that, or you could hate them because you you know them too well and you might see yourself in them, and then that <laughs> might become. Do you know what I mean? Like some people mm. might relate to it, and then that's a reason to resent them as well. So yeah. it's it's very well crafted. Um, do you have closing statements uh, and a fart rating for both of these films? Uh, Seven Samurai is close to perfect. Uh, I give it a 10, 10 big smelly farts. Um, my only issue with um, I Live in Fear is I wanted to spend more time with the um, the, the doctor who's having a... Um, That's a fair point. He almost a, a becomes cri- a second... He almost yeah. gets forgotten in the third act. It's a crisis. He's having a crisis of um, conscience, whatever the fucking word is. Um and he is a very interesting character and I would have liked to have spent more time with him. And I didn't like that. We didn't get to see him as much. And so because of that, I give it nine. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm giving the exact same ratings, 10 out of 10 for, um, uh, for seven samurai. It's a perfect fucking movie. I don't really need to say anything else about it. Um, People have listened to what we just had to fucking say. I live in fear. I think, um, I think for me, what brings it down a little bit is just how fucking morose it is at times. Yeah. Um, which is to its, it's like an, it's like a dual edged sword. I think that's my favorite fucking word on this fucking podcast. Dual edged sword mm. is on one on one side. It's the reason it's effective, but on the other end, it's the reason why it 
I think it made me quite emotional afterwards, mm. which is good. But I'm yeah, I'm still going to give it a nine. Um, yep. uh, nine farts out of ten. So uh, what are we watching next week, Dan? Uh, we're watching 2010's era Richard Gere movies. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> I was. Uh, now I'm guessing. I'm guessing lead performances by Richard Gere. No, nah, just any one he's in, I guess. I don't really? Know. Well, so if you like cameo, so if he cameos in, um, like fucking one of those weird holiday movies for five minutes, that well, counts. I, wanna, mm, I don't know. The reason I'm saying not only lead roles is because I want to watch movie forty three. You're cheating. Right. You're cheating no, right now. No, actually, that that's not. I usually try to cheat, but uh. I can tell you exactly how I started to think about this. Um, there was a, a shadow that went past uh, the light in my house. Yeah. Right? And I looked up and I thought, and then there was nothing there. And I was like, oh, creepy. And I was like, oh, maybe it's a moth. And then I was like thinking about, are there moths this time of the year? I don't even know. And then I started to think about the Mothman prophecies. And then I started to think about Richard Gere. And then I was like, what the hell is Richard Gere even doing now? Is he still in movies? And then I was looking at his last few films that he did. And I just suddenly found Richard Gere really funny. And I was like, what if I recommend Richard Gere on the next one? Well, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say that it has to be lead performances by Richard Gere. Because could you imagine if we watched two movies by Richard Gere where he's barely in it? Okay, but movie 43 counts. Mm. He's built. Yeah, his character's name's Boss. In movie 43? Yeah, his character doesn't even have a name. Fine. Do you not understand where I'm coming from with this at all? But mark my words, I will get you. <laughs> Hey, hey, you put your you put your foot in your you, you, you tried to rig the system and uh as they say in um the Big Lebowski, sometimes uh, you eat the bar. I wasn't trying to rig the system. And sometimes the bar eats you. Thank you Whatever. for listening and uh we'll talk about Richard Gear next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.